Your hosts are here, Sammy and Michelle. By the end of this podcast, you'll know them well. Adulting, navigating the journey of life. Careers to relationships, pain and strife. Put down the rule book. Rethink the status quo. If there's another direction you want to go, find purpose, passion and mastery in all that you do with Status Post Adulting. Hey, Status Post Adulting family. Happy Tuesday and welcome to the 30th episode of Status Post Adulting, where we are going to be talking about chronotypes, night owls versus morning larks. But first, let me check in with my co-host, Michelle. How are you doing, Michelle? I'm doing well, Sammy. I believe this is my golden episode. Tell me more. You know how your golden birthday is when your age is the same day as the date of your birth? I see where you're going with this. It's the 30th episode. I'm 30. It's my golden episode. And it will soon be my golden episode. (laughs) (laughs) The advantages of being 13 months apart. I will say my birthday is December 31st. That is New Year's Eve. It is a special day. Write it down, friends. As you can imagine, having a birthday on the 31st of the month means that you have to wait the longest for your golden birthday. I still haven't had mine and I've been waiting. I think I'm more excited to turn 31 than I was to turn 30 or 29 or 28 or 27 or 26. Yes, my Capricorn friend, your golden birthday is actually coming this year too. Wow, what a special year for you right? What a year. So yeah, I'm pretty excited to celebrate our golden episode. My golden episode. And we are celebrating this episode by talking about morning larks and evening owls. Night owls? Night owls. Night owls. Night owls. Yes, Yami, you're a morning lark and I'm a night owl. So we thought it might be interesting to talk about different ways that we adjust to the nine to five life. It's very true. And I even found a chart online by Dr. Michael Bruce, a psychologist, where he breaks down the chronotypes even further. He labels some people as dolphins. Dolphins are light sleepers. They may often be diagnosed with insomnia. And maybe because of that, they tend to wake up early and go to sleep late, but not because that's the time periods where they have the most energy. Then we have lions, like me, who wake up early with a lot of energy, but by 8 or 9 o'clock, they are quite tired. Next, we have bears. Bears are actually most people, and they wake up with the sun and go to bed with sunset. However, with that said, when they wake up in the morning time, oftentimes they don't have a lot of energy. And lastly, we have wolves. Wolves are people who like to sleep in. Even when they wake up, no matter what time it is, they feel tired. And at nighttime, they're very energized, and that's when they can get most of their work done. Mm, Damien, I think I'm like bear to wolfish. Very wolfy. <laughs> I will say that no matter what time I wake up, I'm never happy about it. I'm never energized. And it always takes me some time to get into the flow of things versus Sammy wakes up, two eyes open, ready to go. No problem. It's very much true. I didn't really realize that I was abnormal in my morning personness until maybe the earliest high school where I remember we had like an orchestra camp and I was definitely the first person awake. I had a full face of makeup on. I was very alert while all my classmates were very much groggy. This has carried on over throughout my whole life. And now I know that I have to be less annoying in the morning time because other people are not on the same level. 
Yes, Amy, some of us don't want you bursting into our bedroom at seven in the morning, blasting podcasts and wanting to talk about the latest drama in your life. It's shocking. Now I have AirPods and I can continue on my way. I had a similar realization when I was in college, Sammy. One, I was always the type of person who would pull all-nighters and basically become a vampire during my finals week. But my freshman year, I took a class where the professor was known to be really into sleep study. And I ended up doing this experiment. And I realized that out of 400 people, I was in the one percentile for quality of sleep. As in, I literally had the bottom worst quality of sleep. And that was an eye-opener for me. That made me realize I should be a little bit more conscientious about my sleep schedule. That's really concerning to me. Which I will say that I think no matter what your chronotype is, getting enough sleep is the most important thing. Yeah, Michelle, that's definitely true. Most people require eight, eight and a half-ish hours of sleep, and that's an average. Some people, like me, require more. So... Definitely getting the right amount of sleep is going to be the key to making sure you have enough energy when you're awake. With that said, as a morning person, though I may be filled with energy in the morning time, I am 100% grouchy in the evening time. If it's time to go to bed, I'm pretty much very irritable. Unpleasant? Unpleasant. Like, I definitely can't think very well at that time. And if anybody does anything, like suggesting that after we all go out, how about we go eat food at a restaurant, I'm going to want to slightly murder them. Because I don't want to do that. I want to go to bed and I want to be in my cozy bed sleeping. Which ironically, with how similar we are, I'm the exact opposite. I have peak creativity at nighttime. I have tons of energy and I'm always down to go on to the next thing. As I've gotten older, I do prefer to sleep before midnight, but I have always been energized at nighttime. With that said, I think knowing your chronotype is super important to structuring your day and when you're going to go to sleep. Interestingly enough, I actually work from 11am to 8pm. 8pm is getting quite close to my bedtime. But I prefer this schedule because I can wake up super early in the morning and then all that morning time is mine. I can do whatever I want, whether it's exercise, meditate, journal, or catch up on extra work. I'm able to do things and I have a lot of energy. Versus when I worked from 8 to 5, yes, I would be very productive at work, but I would come home and be tired and not very useful in the evening time. I totally agree with that, Sammy. Last year, I read The 5am Club by Robin Sharma, and I was so motivated. I was inspired, and I thought, this is such a good idea. You see all those videos of people who have these amazing early morning routines, and I thought, I need to adjust my life to fit this schedule. And I did it relatively consistently for about a month or two, but I just found that even when I woke up early, my headspace wasn't the same. I'm sure other people won't agree with this. But for me, I realize that it's just better for me to sleep a little bit longer and not force myself to wake up early because I'm not necessarily somebody who, when I have that time block between five and seven, using it in any crazy productive way. Yeah, Michelle. Additionally, I think if you really want to optimize your chronotype, it's kind of also good to live in a place that matches your chronotype. For example, for me, I love to be in places where the sunrise is super early. Like you see the sun come out of the sky and it's like 5.45. I'm a happy camper in that situation. On the other hand, we were flying through London and it was almost 8 o'clock and I looked outside and it looked like it was nighttime. 
I personally thought to myself, I could never live here because it is darkness and I could never live here. And I live in a cave. (laughs) (laughs) I do agree with that, Sammy. For me, for five years, I worked about an hour away from my work. And so I used to wake up at 6 a.m., catch the train. And one thing I would do to adjust is I would literally wake up at the very last possible moment I could do as little as possible and go and run and catch the train. And then I trained myself to do my makeup on the train, get ready on the train, because I knew once I was there and awake, I'd be good to go. A better choice, though, was when I switched to living close to my work. And when I lived 10 to 15 minutes away, it was amazing. It really changed my whole morning. That's a great way to maximize your chronotype, Michelle. Interestingly, there are studies that show that morning larks versus night owls have certain characteristics. For example, morning larks tend to be more conscientious. By that, they mean they're generally very thorough, systematic, with good impulse control, and goal-directed people. They often are more cooperative and persistent. They maybe have a more go-getter personality, having a higher need for achievement, and they are less likely to be procrastinators. This feels like a bias list <laughs> to me. No. Maybe I'm a go-getter at 2 a.m., but nobody is around to appreciate it. Fair. And I do have some other traits of night owls. They're more likely to seek out novelty. They may be more creative than morning people as well, and they may also be more willing to take risks. Yes, they do have a higher chance of procrastination and more likely to have an addictive personality, but they have those positive traits as well. You can only take risks at night, quite honestly. What kind of trouble are you getting into at 6am? Good point. Getting wild at Trader Joe's. Yeah, I will say I do find my morning people at Trader Joe's. We are typically standing outside the door at 7 o'clock waiting for Trader Joe's to open with our list in hand. If you go at 2 o'clock, you will notice that fewer people have a list in hand. I believe that to be true, Sammy. I'm not a big night shopper since I don't like to be in large parking lots at night. (laughs) So I do agree that I tend to see more diligent people, it seems like, when I go early in the morning. (laughs) I do try to adjust my lifestyle to both work with being a night person, but also being able to function properly in society. For example, I really like taking fitness classes but there are usually are not any open at like 10 p.m but having something on my schedule at like 6 or 7 a.m makes it so that I will force myself to wake up get myself there even though I'm tired and I'm not thrilled to be there by the end of the class I feel really energized and happy that I did that and then I have my full day to me so that's always really nice that's a good one Michelle I did see that for larks, they should actually exercise in the late afternoon to bring in their energy. And though I usually don't do that and I exercise in the morning time, which just makes me even crazier in the morning, (laughs) (laughs) I have found that sometimes like if I jump rope at work or something, I do have more energy for that second half of the shift. Yes, I mean, it is sort of the difference between forcing yourself to go somewhere and like gaining energy versus if I go after work, I'm usually pumped and ready to burn off the work day. Plus, one time I woke up late for my 6am class at SoulCycle and I popped out of bed. I got ready in like two seconds. We used to live right next door to the class and I rushed out. I got to the class. I go to open the door and it was locked because I was not late. I didn't realize that the class was at 7 a.m. 
So I will say that in the morning, sometimes all the lights aren't on yet for me. (laughs) No, that's definitely true. And I am 100% more likely to do a poor job on anything that I do after 8.30 p.m. That's a good point, Sammy, because for me, one thing I realized is while I can hold meetings and do stuff with my coworkers in the morning without too much of an issue once I'm at work, I have found that sometimes I'll save creative projects for later in the night because I'll just have so much more energy at that time and I'll be able to see things and think about things that for some reason are not accessible to me in the morning. And a nice little trick I have is that I just delay my emails to send in the morning so everybody thinks I'm awake emailing people at 8 a.m. when in reality, I had set that all up at 9 p.m. I had no idea you could do that. And instantly you brought up a great point, which is just because your optimal hours may be in the morning or in the evening does not mean that that should also be your work hours. Sometimes the type of work that we do at work actually doesn't necessarily require all of our creative energy. Versus things like coming up with ideas, planning our future, journaling, those might require more creativity and may be better to do during our optimal hours. Another helpful tip I found more recently is making friends with the same chronotype. So true. In the past, I was just friends with whoever I would get along with, which is great. However, a lot of times my friends would be like, let's grab drinks in the evening or let's go to dinner in the evening. And they're plotting all these things that I can tell are going to end around or after 9 o'clock. And in my head, I'm like, that's just not going to work. But I would do it. Now, I don't mess around. I try to find friends who are also morning people. And it's great because you can do things like go on a morning hike together or get breakfast. And you're both on the same page. Which is great, Sammy, because unfortunately, we do have different peak schedules. And so it's nice if you can find somebody else to hang out with you at 7 (laughs) a.m. That being said, it's really helpful for us to know that we do perform optimally at different times, or more so, we perform very poorly at other times. When we prepare things like our podcast, we tend to work together in the middle of the day because one of us is either unpleasant in the morning or unpleasant in the evening. So knowing that about ourselves, we just coordinate our schedule to take advantage of that. Yeah, Michelle, I think it's really helpful to know what chronotype your partner is or business partner slash sister in this case, because that will really help you both optimize on your schedules. Like sometimes we'll start working and then you'll notice that it's like 8.30 and I'm starting to become a little grouchy and you'll be like, you know what, we'll start this again tomorrow. Because the truth is, neither of us work well when we have to work during our not optimal times. Exactly, Sammy. I want to highlight too that it is helpful to know not just whether or not you're a morning person or a night person, but also to know how your energy might ebb and flow throughout the day. I recently tried to track my energy and I really saw that for me, my energy tends to go up and down depending on how the day goes and I'm particularly tired after I eat. So it's helpful for me to just try not to have any big projects after I have a meal and that makes a huge difference for me. Michelle's energy tracking spreadsheet slash graph was so interesting because it will literally dip every time after she eats. And just knowing that makes us know what time she should and shouldn't eat. Exactly, Sammy. And probably that I should get my blood sugar checked. (laughs) Maybe stop eating such carbohydrate-filled meals. But it's definitely something I want to try out as well. I'll add too, Sammy, that there are other things that can disturb your sleep. Some people can't have caffeine past a certain time of day. 
For me, my menstrual cycle can really affect how tired I feel throughout the day. So I think it's good to just try to pay attention and see if there are certain patterns or certain disruptors that change your usual energy level. So takeaways for this episode. First takeaway, determine what your chronotype is. I think instead of trying to work against whatever your chronotype is, it's best to acknowledge what time of day you feel most energized and what time of day you feel most tired so that you can work your schedule around that. It's not a hot take, Sammy, that sleep is important, but I do feel like there's a lot of people out there that try to push for early morning routines or working long days or working long hours. There's definitely a lot of messaging out there that I don't necessarily agree with because I'm more about adjusting to what works best for you if it's in your control. And that brings us to another one, Michelle, which is know what times of day you are most creative and save that time period for doing your creative activities, which may not always be your regular regular job. And the last one I would recommend is make friends who have the same chronotype. I'm not saying you have to eliminate your friends who don't have the same chronotype, but I do think that having friends with the same chronotype is nice because you can do all your activities with them. They'll want to hang out when you want to hang out, which will help you maintain your regular sleep schedule. Which I would add on to that, Sammy. It's good to know what your friends like too. If you're like, man, this person is always such a pest to get to come to morning activities with me, maybe they don't want to be up earlier. They don't want to be staying up late. And so knowing what their ideal time is can help you guys coordinate better as well. If you guys have any tips or tricks, send them our way. You can send us a message at statuspostadulting on Instagram. You can email us statuspostadulting at gmail.com and you can find any show notes or more information about status postadulting at our website statuspostadulting.com. We are so grateful that all of you listen to our podcast every week. And if there's somebody you know who can take their life from adulting to status plus adulting, we would love if you sent them this podcast. And most importantly, be sure to join us next time as we put down the rule book and rethink the status quo.